When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Do you like beer? Do you like free? How about, you guessed it, free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash natter and cover just the postage of £4.95. And if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Newcastle Natter, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise, then, that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand, and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine, Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive. And a beery snack is thrown in, just to top it all off. Don't like dark beers? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to uh, www.beer52.com forward slash natter to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, Newcastle Natter listeners get two extra free beers. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And through the medium of phones, Dave Watson. Evening, chaps. Hi, Dave. Uh, Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. My little one decided that uh, half past two was the time that he wanted to wake up um, when normally he sleeps through, so uh, not a lot of sleep. A bit tired. That is a pain uh, in the A bit ass. grumpy, so 
Get rid of him. Get rid of him. (laughs) Gotta go. He's gotta go. (laughs) His performances are just shit. (laughs) How are you, Paul? I'm all right, yeah. I've I've had the other problem. I've had an ill childminder, so I've had to look after a child in the afternoon whilst trying to work. Doesn't go well. Don't try it. See, this is... um... I think what we're revealing here is where uh, podcasts are going to go, football podcasts. Yeah. Ten years ago, it was all like lads talking about beer and footy. Now it's all just mainly about childcare. <laughs> That's where pod- That's podcasting is going. Yeah, we're the, we're, we're the only uh, football slash childcare podcast out there. <laughs> we're going to be sponsored by sitters.co.uk. Uh, myself and Paul managed to get out of childcare this Saturday and uh, join each other undercover in uh, the Crystal Palace home end uh, at the game on Saturday. Uh, did you manage to watch it on, on a feed, Dave? No, I didn't. I didn't get to watch this game, I'm afraid. So I'll have to rely on... Uh, you on didn't you miss lot. much, to be honest. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean... The general consensus was, and probably rightly so, that it was a terrible game. Certainly a terrible performance. That's something I I think it's hard to disagree with. But I think we sort of felt like it was we were quite entertained. Yeah, well, I was expecting usually games between us and Palace, there's no chances. Mm. Thanks to how shit we are at the moment, Palace had loads of the ball. <laughs> they look like Brazil. It's true. So it was quite... That's the thing. Palace... And when you're in the home end, it's hard not to be swept along with the enthusiasm. Palace probably the uh, the worst, uh, one of the worst, if not the worst, attacking side in the Premier League. Yeah, I think we said a few times during the game in regard to Benteke, it's nice to see a team equally hamstrung by having a striker as bad as ours. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the pre-match uh, hype was about sort of uh, Zaha versus St. Maximin. More interesting battle was was Benteke versus Joe yeah. Linton, as in like, uh, how are these men uh, Premier League strikers? Combined transfer fee, probably. How much did Palace pay for Benteke? Twenty seven million something like that. It, Liverpool paid about thirty five, didn't they? Yeah. Between them, anyway, it's nearly seventy million pounds worth of strike force. And Benteke oh. actually looked the worst one. It's nearly seventy million. Man- million pounds worth of strike first and nearly two million pounds worth of goals yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, weird though because when you saw uh, when you saw Benteke I don't know at, at his pomp he, he looked like Drogba-esque he looked un, un, unbeatable but yeah. these days he's just I don't know what it is maybe there's something going on in his personal life or whatever but you just can't seem to buy a goal it's weird I think people just get this you get artists get it as well you just like People get into a groove, and if you fall out of that groove, yeah, it's very hard to get back in. Doesn't mm. happen often with strikers so much that you don't really go from prolific for three seasons and then drop off a cliff. Is yeah, it not if, like it, you... if it was like one purple patch season, like I don't know, Amir Zaki or, or Julian Jochim. Like yeah, yeah, just for some reason, Benteke. Three seasons, he was yeah, he looked mint, but now. Can't really make an argument for him to be a Premier League footballer. Well, one pl- player who isn't suffering from that problem because he's never quite had that season yet is Joe Linton. Yeah, 
He's not having a purple patch. He's just continuing his long brown patch. So I'm, I want to start with a, a, a positive. Um, we were at the... Uh, we were close to the end that Palace were attacking uh, in the first half. And there were two incredible saves from Dubravka. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paul, I thought they might have been the, the two best saves I can remember witnessing in person. Yeah, it's that weird one when you're there and you think that's probably going to look a lot dodgier on TV. They almost look slower in real life. Then when you watch the highlights, you're like, oh, that is properly acrobatic. That's the sort of the diving pose that ends up in stickers. It's, you get a... You can appreciate it on loads of different levels, whether you watch it on TV or wherever you see it in the stands. Mm. But it was like it was the fact that not only him getting to the ball in like such a quick reaction time, but the it, hand strength yeah. to like turn it into a proper save. He's pretty good, isn't he? He is good. He's a, a very good shot. Stopper. He was man of the match, I think. Yeah, that's one thing From- Newcastle do give throughout, like. Throughout uh, their Premier League history, really, Newcastle have afforded goalkeepers an opportunity to display their skills. <laughs> yeah. It, we are a real good springboard for a keeper. Although, not that they necessarily go on. I can't think of a keeper who's... People have always said that our keepers are good, right? We, they always get yeah. complimented. But I, I can't... Given went on to Man City, but then Joe Hart came sort of the year after. He went on to Man City, but Man City wasn't really Man City when he went there, was it? They were still rich, I think. It was just starting, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, they they were still buying like Rocky Santa Cruz and and stuff like that, rather than joined up thinking that you see nowadays where they're buying the best players for their system uh, that's out there. I mean, like you say, given given didn't really do any pull up any trees at Man City, but. In his pomp, there was talk about him moving, like fending off interest from certainly from like Man U, but also from further afield. He's like, always he linked with clubs. Juventus, I think, every year. Wasn't yeah, um, Krull I, used to always get linked with you. All our keepers seem to get linked with Juventus. Yeah, well, yeah. The, yeah, we've we've had some very good keepers, and mm. uh, and and I'll I'll start with that as a positive. And <laughs> and now moving into the uh, the the meat of the game. Uh, gave the way the ball away a lot, didn't we, Paul? Yeah, I think in particular, Bentaleb had one of the worst games I've ever seen a professional footballer have. He was passing it straight off the pitch, with nobody around it, like several times. It was and like picking up a stupid book. Like, have you ever seen that instance? In there was a, a, a game at Wimbledon. In, when Venus, uh, Serena Williams was playing with her sister in the doubles, and mm. she, she just literally just couldn't serve. It was like uh-huh. the suspicions were that there'd been she'd had some kind of dodgy dosage of drugs. There'd been something uh. had something was very very wrong. She looked like she looked like she'd taken six nitol. I think Bentaleb just looked like a player who's not played professional football for over a year and has been chucked into the Premier League. But he looked so so good the first time we saw him. It was just it was just fundamentals, just like missing yeah. passes by well, like that's, ten that, yards. That's really, that's really interesting you say that because obviously I didn't I didn't get to see the game, so all I've got to go off is like the, the highlights that I've seen, which unsurprisingly there weren't a lot of highlights. 
but also I'm just looking at like the, the, the stats of the game as as you know is my want. I and, feel we're about to be proved wrong, Paul. Yeah, as you mentioned that Bentaleb was giving the ball away a lot. He had an 89% pass success rate, and that's the highest on the pitch. <laughs> wow. He was giving the ball away shockingly then, I think. Oh, okay. They were eye-catching giveaways. I guess yeah. that's what it was. What it, like, I mean, that's amazing. I guess, okay, how many passes did he play? Uh, he, I'm just trying to pull it up now. Well, um, if you don't know that, then you don't know anything, Dave. <laughs> but there were literally at least two 48. where he just he played 48 it off the pitch. Okay, he played 48 passes. So like, no, that means 48 he... accurate passes. Okay, he right. Did so that means 54 about 54 in total. Okay, right. So that means so the six times that he lost the ball, <laughs> each one they went to the he went to the corner flag. He, <laughs> he, <was> like, <laughs> he did look noticeably awful. It, it was yeah. It was very noticeable each time he lost the ball. Yeah, yeah mainly because it wasn't like he wasn't under pressure any of the time. But you just thought, I mean, all of our passing was sideways and backwards, which we seem to have gone yeah. back to. We're missing Shelby massively. Mm. I think I think that's one of the one of the frustration, not frustrations, one of the the failings of uh, of just going off the stats because obviously I didn't watch it. Um, Yes, Bentaleb has an 89% pass success rate, but without going into a deep dive, I wouldn't be surprised if overwhelming majority of them were short passes sideways and back to like Longstaff or, or one of the centre plenty of them up as well, though, <laughs> this thing. Yeah, another example. I don't want to be like the old guys in Moneyball, if you're familiar with uh, that book slash film. <laughs> but, you know, in, in Moneyball, you've got the old guys who are like, basically portrayed as idiots because this make all... dave brad pitt <clears throat> this makes dave brad pitt slash well it makes him jonah hill <laughs> yeah i was gonna say <laughs> but the the guys in you know the old guys are like stats schmats it's about ball you know and so i guess i'm being one of those but i i remember as i uh mentioned in one every four podcasts i used to go and see Leighton orient a lot and I saw them play at Arsenal with you, Paul, I think. Yes. We went and saw them at the Emirates about 10 years ago, or maybe not that long ago. It uh, was about that, yeah. A long time ago in an FA Cup replay. And I think they lost that game 5 or 6 nil or something. Mm. But in that game, the stats said that they had had the second most amount of passes. The only other team that had had as many passes as they had had at the Emirates that season uh, was Barcelona. But, you know, each of those passes was between yeah. defenders, you know. All of our passes yeah. were, yeah, uninfluential. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the stats actually bear that out because it, it, it talks of, like, key passes, which is always, like, a pass that leads to an assist or a goal or something. And we had two all game, which which tells its own story, especially when this was the first game I can remember where... Uh, we've had more possession than the opposition. And yeah, I was surprised by that. Cause it didn't feel like it. And because said, it's, not, it's not useful possession. Yeah. It's not um, threatening possession. It's just, like you say, just knocking the ball between centre-half and the, the two who are effectively like defensive midfielders. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the sort of team we've said plenty of times before. We struggle against teams that play on the counter-attack because... We're only mm. comfortable on the counter attack, and we we do not know what to do with a football. 
no. on the offensive. And, which is, I mean, troubling. Yeah. For a football team. So I, I didn't really understand the, the Lazaro sending off. Um, it looked to me like, well, he, he last man pulled a, pulled a uh, thingy back. But it's a red card, but I've seen uh, complaints about it. And I've seen like Steve Bruce saying that oh, he, there was 10 seconds left in the game. He should have just let him, like the referee should have just let him off with it kind of thing. And I would have thought that, I mean, from from what I've seen, it looked like a red card. What did what did you yeah, guys think? Yeah, I think it was a red. Yeah, it's it a bit it. of a weird argument, but it was ten seconds left, so don't give a red. I understand it, but no, he's the, the last the man who is sort of a rugby tackle. The rule is the rule. I think it's one of those ones where if the ref hadn't given it, they'd be getting a bollocking from their bosses. Yeah. It's like it's an obvious. That's what it is. I think if Bruce was going to complain about anything in that, it would be maybe complain it himself for putting a winger up against Wilfred Zahar. Because that, down that left side, they just ran riot all game. Mm. The, uh, the free kick, Paul didn't witness the free kick. No. He, he, um... <laughs> Long-standing tradition of Newcastle Palace games. I, it was my turn to go early to the bar. So, uh, yeah, and I had a, a very strong feeling that that was going to be a goal. Yeah, I, mean, I still saw it in the, in the concourse. And was like mobbed by Palace fans jumping up and down. It's the worst thing. We like, I've missed the goal. I'm doubly pissed off, and I've got to hop about a bit, <laughs> pretending <laughs> I'm having the time of my life. Um, anything else to say about the game? I mean, it was fairly uneventful. Uneventful, really, wasn't it? There was a good, uh, despite how uh, you know, dog shit Joe Linton is. He probably had our best shot of the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's about the only positive thing. The one other thing to say, we were all expecting changes, I think. I think everyone thought Dwight Gale was going to start. Matt mm. Ritchie would probably get a game. Neither of them started, which felt maybe like a missed opportunity. But then we've had a go at Bruce before for bringing injured players like St. Maximum back early before, and then they just get out again. I think yeah. we'll need those two players in the coming games. I'd rather have them fully fit and losing away at Palace isn't great, but it's not, it's not unexpected. It's not a season defining um, result. Um, Where would Richie fit in though? Because if if Danny Rose is, well, Danny Rose isn't fit. I would have him at left wing back over Danny Rose. I think the player we've missed the most lately has been Willems. I think we've really missed him. He's the only one who seems to be a link between defense and attack. Mm. And the only other person, like he was involved in so many of our key moves. Danny Rose looks incapable of that at the minute. Right. Richie looks more useful in that position. An unfit Danny Rose is not going to be that much cop, really. Uh, Didn't we, at one stage in the game, we tried out the the idea that had been suggested of putting St. Maximin... This was Jermaine Genus's master plan on Which we also briefly discussed on the podcast last week, Dave. Yeah. So Maximin was put centrally. I, I think it was uh, and I guess Joe Linton went out to the left. I think it lasted about ten minutes. Yeah, it's which a is what we idea. predicted might happen. Get our most influential player who seems to start all of our attacking moves and isolate him as far forward as possible. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean having said that, me and Dave did sort of like <laughs> sing wonder about the merits of that idea last week. So Right. Well, because I think our thinking was that we 
push the team as a whole further up the pitch, certainly against someone like a team like Crystal Palace, where they are going to surrender possession quite happily because they will play on the counter-attack. But if, if the, our entire team was a little bit further forward, yeah. um, uh, St Maximum would be as, as isolated and would probably try similar against Burnley because they too like a long ball. Um, so you, you, you push a bit further forward. and it, I, I'm not so worried about the counter-attack from Burnley because I don't think they've got quite the, the same amount of pace in their side as, as Palace do to hit you on the break. No. So if, if you are going to do it in any game, um, like push push players forward, then, then that's one to do it. And just very quickly, I saw um, somebody retweeted um, Fabian Schaar's goal against Burnley last season. Um, and just just looking at how how far up the entire team was in that attack against against Burnley, and uh, it was only like twenty odd minutes into the game, so it wasn't like we were we were like um, you know pushing for that for that winner in the final few minutes and just throwing everything forward. Um, everybody was a lot further up, and I think I think we could take lessons from that and play further forward against Burnley in the, in the next fixture and, yeah. and get some joy. I think play Share on the right as well. I think without Shelby, Share like it or not is probably our most influential starter of moves and he was playing mm. like left centre back with Fernandez on the right and it just didn't seem to have the same impact there should no we, I agree should we have a break yeah, yeah. this is so tiring <laughs> let's, uh, let's have a break and we'll be back uh, fully refreshed we'll each have a shower and we'll be ready to go If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Great break. Good shower. Oh, yeah. Rub-a-dub-dub. Good shower. (laughs) The, uh, the smell of Lynx Africa is heavy in the air now, as we record. Whew, we've all got towels around our necks. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> underneath. nowhere else. Yeah. Let's crack on. Um, it's been a little bit of discussion this week. It feels worth shooting around as an idea. Andy Carroll, does he get another contract? How can you make an argument to give him an extension when, I mean, I don't even know how how many minutes he's made, but I mean, for those few, I think, I think we said it on the pod that, you know, when, when he was, when he played, 
he was linking up well and he was creating chances just by being his, his old wrecking ball self. But he's two, week, two weeks away from uh, being fit, apparently. Um, it doesn't leave him a great deal of the season left to have, to, you know, make a case for him to get an extension. No. I, I, he is on a pay-as-you-play, though, isn't he? Yeah, but or I think it, the extension wouldn't be. Be, I think if he plays a certain number of games, it's an automatic extension that's been agreed. The problem is he's our best striker by some distance, mm. and we look better when he plays. Or at least the memory of him is. Yeah, but we've got if you've got four strikers and one of them is him, that's fine as long as the other three are fit for first team football. Yeah, none of our other three of first-team footballers in that position. We're in that sort of situation. You know how Spurs are in that situation where they've got one incredible striker and no backup. Yeah. And when that striker is injured, they're kind of fucked. But their backup situa- son. <laughs> sure, but he's not really a striker. You know, it's no. a different. he plays a different role. But he's scored so, about 50 times okay, the amount of goals got, of Joel Linton. Right, yeah. well, I guess my point is we're in the same situation except our only striker is dog shit. Yeah. It's a bit like the season we went down where we had Michael Owen, but we didn't have him that often, and it it just took up a squad place. But at least then we had other backup strikers who were decent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think who we had Viduka. that season. Viduka and Martins. Oh, Martins was great. All had... three of those would walk into our team. Loved Martins. I mean, Viduka would literally walk because yeah. he never got above a jog. <laughs> but um, Martins, I tell you what, Martins was exciting and and all the rest but but fuck me he could go missing in games um and it's part of the reason we went down but uh this season like Joel Linden you can't fault his like he's working for the side he's just he's not getting in in the right positions his touch isn't great his decision making is piss poor he needs he need, like you said if we could like give him a break in the side and we had I don't know, a, a Martins or a Viduka uh, in the squad, plus Andy Carroll for his wrecking ball. Like, you could give Joel Linton a break, but the poor kids having to play in an unfamiliar role in an unfamiliar league, and he, he's just not up to it. And I, I feel for him. Uh, one thing I will criticism, but I feel for him. One thing I will say, if this makes him feel any better. One thing I will say for Joe Linton is that he looks quite a lot like a very attractive lesbian who was on First Dates the other night. <laughs> <laughs> That'll uh, be some solace to him. So uh, we've got some... Every cloud. We've got, <laughs> we've got some shit on the socials. Let's uh, have a look through that. Uh, David, Stratham, uh, David Stratton says, We know Steve Bruce isn't up to the job. Well, do we? No, we won't get into that. But, but who do a better job under this ownership? The bracket of manager is Mark Hughes or other dinosaurs. That brings up the, the something that uh, we were talking about this weekend. Oh, yes. and Paul. It, it came up that uh, Mikhail, Mikel Arteta had been offered the job. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when we played Arsenal. So he was offered a job, I think, perhaps the first person to be offered job, the job in the summer. Supposedly Sam Allardyce was offered the job as well. It, it suggests that the ownership don't really have... They're just shooting shit at the wall. They don't really have yeah. an idea of who they want. There's no plan. There's no plan of like, oh, we want this time, type of manager. Which managers 
fulfill yeah. this bracket. It's more like which man. It's like if you go I to a of. casting call and they've got Scarlett Johansson and Sue Pollard in, you get the feeling <laughs> they might be rewriting that role a bit yeah. based on whoever comes in. Yeah, they <laughs> very, very good analogy. It's a yeah. point made. No. Because, uh, like, to take your point on, if if the, the decision was made that Benitez wasn't going to carry on, then there are plenty of managers out there who play uh, a variation of Benitez's style. Um, I don't think Bruce is that man. I think he does want to play more attacking football. We certainly saw that when he had when he was at Hull and when he was at Aston Villa. He, he wants to play more, you know, on the front foot. He's just I don't think he's capable anymore to play that style in this Premier League. But there's plenty of defensive coaches out there. Um, you know, cast your eyes to Italy and their, their whole league is filled with managers who play that tactical defensive style and a lot of them work under um, uh, like f- uh, directors of football so they'd be comfortable as a head coach role rather than a than a than than the manager with the um, with all the responsibilities and freedoms that gives so but they, a, I mean, a joined up thinking that's a I, I can I can make the argument for I mean there's there's been so many instances of European managers who have a lot of things in their favour on paper who come over to clubs in similar situations to us, like all the managers who went to Fulham last mm, season yeah. or whatever, who doesn't quite work out. I remember a couple of years ago us going on about how like uh, Thomas Tuchel might be the one for us and he ended up falling very far. Yeah, but then there's other ones as well. Like Watford always seem to do it and it doesn't matter that they're run like a bit of a basket case and the manager has no say. They're a very odd thing in football that they've managed to do that. Southampton always seem to sort of do it as well. They'll go for... I think the problem is the person in charge of choosing our managers is Lee Mm -hmm. Charnley, who doesn't seem to have much football in vision. So you you sort of think the appointment of Steve Bruce is almost, well... He was good when I liked watching football, and if we go down to the championship, he can probably bring us back up. You don't sense get the sense that there's a lot of inside knowledge there. No, you don't get the sense that Lee Charnley no. is like keeping an eye on what's going on in uh, the Dutch league. No, um, no. Okay, let's uh, keep plowing through. Twelfth uh, man, something. I don't know. Two eighteen ninety two. Are you reading it as we go, Dave? Okay. Yeah. Here we go. I'm reading this fresh. If having Rafa as a manager was like three years of a politics, philosophy, and an economics degree, I already love this question. PPE, is that the one all the prime ministers have? Yeah, finally, we're getting some real talk on this pod. What course of education has Bruce provided for us this far? Okay. So, all right, okay. So it's just another dig at Bruce. Uh, (laughs) So, um... Okay, so if Rafa was like getting a PPE degree, what courses Bruce provided us this far? PE, PE, PE. But well, if you're saying that's a dig, but PE is the correct <laughs> subject. Yeah. So yeah, he's giving us he's giving us a, an A level in PE, which is exactly what we need. So thank you, Steve. Um, but yes, I mean, I guess. I guess what he's aiming for us, for us to say something like, I don't know, a city and guilds in dog shit. (laughs) Waste management. A city and guilds in dog shit has to be the uh, podcast title. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, right. Uh, uh, Jake Burnett, nine, says, if we had this many points without Rondon and Perez under Rafa, would he be a genius? Ah, this is... He's throwing... This is... I think the whole fan base is obsessed with this issue. He says, and it's a bit I, of a false flag. I, he says, I loved Rafa and, I, and didn't want him to leave. Definitely didn't want Bruce, but this Bruce bashing is boring. Yes, Jake. We're a worse championship level team than last season without those two that have more points. <coughs> yeah. I, mean, I think that's fair enough. You look at our... Before we had Rondon last season... We only had Hosselu up front, and we were pretty much in the same position we're in now. Whereas you had an ineffectual strag- uh, target man up front, and a team that gradually just stopped playing any kind of attacking football because they knew it was just going to come back to them. We were playing like start of last season is not that dissimilar to how we are now for the same reasons. I would say um, I've got to. I've got to. I you've got a right of. You've got a right of reply. Dave, Thanks. but we've been in this argument for a few pods now, so you've so got I'll 30 seconds. Brief. I'll just say, fundamentally, we were far superior defensively, even in that spell where we weren't winning games at the beginning of the season. We went on one of our worst, the worst run in our history of like for 40 years or something. We still look better defensively than we do now. Done. Finished. Okay. I think what you've... In your 30 seconds, you've managed to point out the fact that under Rafa, we went on our worst run in 40 <laughs> years. I would, have, I would have tried to find a better point than that. But, like, fair enough. I mean, I, I, I have watched Newcastle two weekends in a row. And beyond the first half against Arsenal, yeah. I cannot make an argument that we are anything other than a terrible no, side. it's true. Uh, and uh, I, and, like, but and I think I, with the personnel, it's almost inevitable. I don't know how you get a tune out of that team. That, the, the team, the, the team's not the problem, man. I mean, Joe Linton is a problem. I'll, I'll grant yeah. you that. But the rest of the side is still the same, like much the same side as we saw last season. We've got much the same players. We even got some like added flair. I think the the centre backs, the keeper, they're the all defense quality. is still fine. They're, there's no real difference to them, although. We, but then the. Then but why actually, def- Lazaro def- and well, Lazaro and Danny Rose are a definite downgrade on what we had last season. Like Lazaro and Danny Rose, I don't know. It's too early for me. Well, I mean, fitness-wise, everything... they're not at the same level that we had last season. Well, they're not on the same level as Mankio and Yedlin, who we all tore strips off because they weren't good enough. No, Mankio has been decent this season. I think he's been okay this season, but last season he wasn't very good. And Yedlin, like they're not they're not great players. We haven't suddenly like lost um, star right back and a star left back. I think Willems is a big loss, but Richie was playing there because we didn't have a left back other than Domit. Um We've still got the same midfield plus Bentaleb, less the army. So I, I don't I don't buy this that like they're suddenly bad players. They're not bad players. They're not. I'm not saying they're players. suddenly bad players. I'm saying they were bad players last season as well. But at least we had a decent striker and Perez, who were better than anything we've got at the minute. They were I our think, two best players, and they were sold. I think they they were our two best attacking players. But then, player of the season last season was Fabian Shaw. Young player of the season was Sean Longstaff, who's still here. We still had Dubravka. We still had all these key players throughout the side. Still had Shelby. Still had all of that. And 
if you look at where we built our team, uh, built our performances on last season, it was at the back. It was our defensive uh, like strength that carried us through to the point where we could pick up um, Almiron in the in the January window, and then suddenly we saw a lot more attacking intent. The defense wasn't a problem. The defense was rock solid. I don't think the defense is a problem this season or last. I think the problem is there's no point being a counter-attacking team if you've not got attackers. Which is a valid point, and then that raises the question: Why the fuck are we playing counter-attack football under Steve? Well, you can't play any. You can't play any football without any attackers. Like goals get points. We don't have anyone capable of scoring apart from defenders. I don't think any manager can get a different tune out of that attack. I, I fundamentally disagree, unsurprisingly. But like, Almiron's a very good attacking midfielder when he's when he's playing Once. A, when he's not playing so deep, when he's further forward, and when he's driving into the box. Alan St. Maximin dances past players like it's a fucking joke. We've got attacking players, and Joe Linton's playing so fucking deep that he's not on the end of crosses and he's not on the end of through balls, and that is a, a problem. But you've still got everybody else who could be tipping in with goals, and you've still got to, you should still have a rock solid defence, and we haven't got any of that. And that's not the defensive players; that's Bruce not being able to organise them. Oh. <laughs> I disagree. I don't, I don't see how the defenders are able to chip in with goals and the midfielders aren't, but it's not because of a gap in quality. If the, midfield, if the midfielders are up to the level of quality, they would be outscoring the defenders. That will, they are in attacking you're positions you're more You're absolving often. the guy who's telling them how to play of any responsibility there. Not of any. I don't think Bruce is a good manager, but he's the same level you would expect us to have with this owner. But he's I, not I the think main that's true, but that me. doesn't mean that the, this group of players can't play better. Because they did, they have, because we had a better manager. Well, I think we played, no, we played better when we had target men that could actually do the role, whether it was Carroll this season or Rondon last season. We had good runs when both of them were fully fit. But when when we when Rondon wasn't fit for those first eight, nine games... We had our longest we unbeaten run, like you said. <laughs> But the, the performance of the defenders was better than we're seeing now, even though we were losing we still lost game every by game. one goal. We, we just we look we look piss poor at the back, and we shouldn't do with this with this group of defenders. We shouldn't look this shonky at the back. Oh jeez! Hey, um, <laughs> you, yeah, welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Um, yeah, I, I love it. That, we, that, that there's so much passion. <laughs> um, I uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm at the point now where I don't really know what I think about anything. And I, I don't, don't really care, but I think a lot of the blame for us not signing any strikers gets put on Steve Bruce's shoulders, which is unfair. But I also no, think he's a yeah. worse manager than Rafa Benitez. But I don't think he's as bad as is being made out because we've seen when he has the tools to do it this season, he's been able to. I think perhaps us three and the Newcastle fan base as a whole are, are like a family, in the sense that we all we're sort of all on the same side, and we sort of all agree uh, agree with each other. But only, we're just a f- we're arguing about a few percentage points <laughs> yeah. of of intensely about where blame is apportioned because. I think when it comes down to it, we all think we're quite we're having quite a shit season. Yeah. We all think Rafa Benitez is a much better manager than Steve Bruce. Yeah. And uh and we all uh think that uh 
Newcastle United is the finest football team. <laughs> I don't think any of us any longer and think Joel Linton's going to come good, which is a worry, because that was one of the main positives early on. You sort of thought he might get a goal and go on a run. Yeah, I just don't who see knows? It I mean, it would be it would be one of the greatest stories in the history of sports. <laughs> if Joe Linton it'd be goes a bigger on. resurrection than James Perch. Yeah, if he goes on to ever score for Newcastle United, if he goes on to have a season where he gets double figures, league goals, then mm. that would. Like this season or any season, I will eat a car. I will eat a car. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, let's carry on. Uh, Nick Bird says, "What advice would Michael's father have for Steve Bruce at this difficult, difficult uh, time?" That is a reference to uh, a character that I'm doing uh, on Twitter at the moment at Fergus Craig. It's getting a lot of positive uh, feedback. So get in there, watch it, enjoy it. Um, <laughs> Watch this space. Um, One Up Gaming says, uh, don't you think the kit is really nice? Good. That's what we want, a positive. He also says, think I'll stop doing all the kit be nice messages now. That got old a month ago. (laughs) Immediately followed up with a negative. Yeah. (laughs) All right, don't do yourself down. That was the the only moment that I, like, flirted with happiness. (laughs) You were happy in the shower. I was happy in the shower. That was good. Rubber dub dub. And uh, uh, one one more message that I can see here from Simon Simon Donald, former uh, Newcastle uh, regular, not what he's most famous for. Uh, of course, founder of the Viz, uh, comedy legend Simon Donald says, "Points are for pussies." <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yes. But would we have more under Rafa? This is the point. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Our next uh, match is uh, this Saturday, and it's at home against Burnley. The glamour never ends. Um, it's another three o'clock kickoff. Uh, you'd have to say that, that Burnley, are, in my head, are sort of similar side to Palace and that they're, yeah. they're not having a spectacular season. I think have they had a bit of an upturn or have I imagined that? They seemed in trouble for a while. I think one point you made last week, which is a very fair point, Dave, is that there are a lot of teams not having very good seasons at the moment. Yeah, yeah but I think Burnley as bad as we are, in, we're in still... The last, in the last six games, Burnley have only lost once uh, the, the cup against Norwich. That I mean, they've beaten Leicester. Shit, Man they're actually 10th. I mean, to be fair, we were 10th about two weeks ago. But, um, yeah, Burnley are 10th. They're doing all right. They're ahead of Everton. I think they'll be a very tough team. I mean, we're absolute dog shit, and we're still seven points clear of safety, aren't we? Uh, Or something like that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we're We're seven points clear. But I I don't expect us to get too much out of it. I'd like, basically, the only positives I would like because it would be ludicrous to hope for a win at the moment, the way we're playing. I'd like to see Gale get more time. I'd like to see a goal. That's all. <laughs> I know we're told we expect too much as a fan base. Just a goal. I think we've scored in the last three league games now. Yeah, I'm looking back. Yeah. Burnley are 
are doing far better than I had remembered. Uh, so, tenth, aren't they? Yes, I, I just said yeah. They're, they're oh, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, they're tenth, and uh, they've had some good results in the last couple of months. So, hmm. But then they're only six points ahead of us. So if we do pull off an unlikely win, um, then that you know that gap to tenth drops by by three points or we certainly close the gap on Burnley and the most important thing in this run of five or six games before we meet Man City is we should be able to get points in in these games these are our best mm. opportunities to do so if we can keep seven seven plus points away from the the relegation zone then I, w- I would I would expect us to stay up I'm still I'm still like 50 50 if whether we'll go down or not um but yeah, like against at home against Burnley, if we can defend its set pieces and if we can surprise them on the break, or if St Maximum pulls something magical out of his bum, uh, then then we could nick it. Okay, prediction on score. Just I'm going to go on nil nil, nil nil. Paul, prediction on score. Two nil Burnley. Two nil Burnley. Love it. Um, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go my old traditional one one. And uh, Dave, you just fired out an old favourite there. You think we're 50-50 to go down. Uh, yeah. Paul, where's your percentage for us to go down? We haven't felt 30, that we've had to do this for months. 30%, I think. It's, there's so many caveats. I think a worrying amount of our survival chances are on the shoulders of Andy Carroll's fitness, which if you could have your survival chances anywhere, it would be anywhere but there. I don't feel like they are. I feel like we're, we've got a 20% chance of going down, but that's you know might be idiotic. You're Either ostriches. way, I don't think it's based in any way on how good we are, but on how shit other teams are. Fair I enough. even wouldn't rule us out not getting another point this season. We've and, looked that bad, but and, I think we'll be okay. And then next Tuesday, before our next pod... And um, I don't know, I don't know how many pods we're going to be able to record over the next few weeks. So uh, savor this while you can. Next Tuesday, we're playing uh, West Brom in the FA Cup. The mm. FA Cup round five, biggest game of the season. For this is the one where I think how this goes defines whether it's been a good season or not for me. It's in we're away. taking ten thousand fans. Wow, away. At West Brom, in the FA Cup. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that. Round, For us, it doesn't. It's heady really. heights. Round five. Uh, Win that, and we're in the quarters. Dave, you got a prediction? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think we'll win. I think we'll win two 0 because I think they're going to rest a lot of players because they're sitting pretty at the top of the top of the league. But we, we'll know from experience that games in that league come thick and fast and. Automatic promotion is far more important than than an FA Cup run when you're you know when you're when you're in that mix. So I think they they have done in the previous rounds. They've rested a lot of players. So I'd fancy us to go through two 0 Wow, didn't see that coming. Uh, I think we'll lose it two one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I worry because even teams like Oxford can rest players against us in the cup, and it doesn't seem to have a huge effect. I've I'll go. We'll win two one, but I don't believe it. I don't know. I think they, if they're top of the table, they they used to um, 
they're in a winning mood and they're used to playing Saturday, Tuesday. So, mm. you know, yes, they might rest some players, but I'm sure a lot of those players are still getting quite a lot of football and they're used to winning. It'll be interesting to see if we rest players for it. I can't imagine we will, but I hope we will. I don't think we've got much choices to rest players, really. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, we're going to leave it there. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that we do get to do another podca- podcast very soon. But... Um, as we said at the beginning, you know, childcare plays a major role in our lives now, as mm. does each of our respective uh, addictions. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you very much, Dave. Thank you, Fergus. Thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you. And thank you to you, the Newcastle Natter listener. See you soon. Bye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.